College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. And the Memorial Day is behind us. We're kicking off a new week and just in time for Joe Biden's babosadas. As you know, I call him Joe El Baboso Biden. And sometimes I think he says things just because he's got the podium. The lectern is there. There's 100 microphones and he figures, hey, let me say something because he's not always sharp. And again, we can get into why he's not sharp, if he's compromised, if he's evil, if he's stupid, if he forgot, if he's got dementia, if he's playing dumb, whatever. All of that stuff to me is secondary. What's really important is what he actually said. And one of the things that he spoke about on Memorial Day was that nine millimeters cause more damage to lungs. And therefore, we should consider maybe banning these nine millimeters. Is that the suggestion? I'm not sure. But I want you to hear this audio clip from him and you tell me what you think. And they showed me a, 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 a x-ray. He said a 22 caliber bullet will lodge in the lung. And we can probably get it out. Maybe able to get it and save the life. A nine millimeter bullet blows the lung out of the body. All right. So now if you can hear it, he's next to Marine One. So the... Uh the sound of the chopper is kind of interfering a little bit. But basically what he says here, and I think you heard him, was that if you shoot a 22 caliber bullet, and I got 22 caliber bullets, you know, a very small bullet. He's saying that, you know, surgeons are saying if you get shot there, that gets lodged in the body and they could take it out. It doesn't ricochet, bounce around, blah, blah, blah. But a nine millimeter, uh, which is bigger than a 22 caliber bullet, does a lot more damage and it blows out the lung obviously giving it stopping power. I mean, Mr. President Biden may not realize, but that is what most police officers have on their hip is a nine millimeter. And it's because they, they want to be able to stop these people. You shoot them with a 25 caliber or a 22 caliber, you may not stop this person. Right? <laughs> they might say, hey, this little thing is stuck in my pectoral muscle. Now, obviously, if it hits a artery or your eyeball or goes in your brain, it's different. But my point is you can survive a shot a lot better, higher probability of survival with a smaller caliber. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And instead of railing against large ammunition, uh, like a 40 caliber or even the 5.56, which is what's in question with this shooting, uh, no, he wants to talk about nine millimeters. And I think the reason why is because they want to come after your handguns. I think that's the next step. But let's let him finish. Let's listen to this. So the idea of these high caliber weapons is just it is simply no rational basis for it in terms of about self-protection, hunting. I mean, I just, I remember, the Constitution, the Second Amendment, was never absolute. So he says this has nothing to do with self-protection or hunting, and the Constitution was never absolute. Obviously, there's so many issues here. And I try to be nice because, look, we're in the middle of a national crisis. Everybody's heart is broken over what happened a week ago today, right? Today's Tuesday. It's heartbreaking. 
Clearly, it's heartbreaking, but it doesn't change the fact that we have to acknowledge that assault rifles are automatic weapons that are already illegal. You can't buy those unless you're like my buddy Ben Ferguson, who has that federal license where you can buy those types of guns because he's a gun dealer. I can't go buy an AK-47. I can't buy a gun where you pull the trigger and it shoots multiple bullets. Right. I have to buy a semi-automatic, which automatically reloads just like a revolver even, right? A revolver has six shots that automatically reload every time you pull that trigger. Well, so does a nine millimeter, just holds a little bit more in the magazine. And the AR-15, same thing. You have to pull the trigger, pap, pull it again, pap, pull it again, pap. Now, what what they made a big deal about, and um, I'm gonna say probably rightfully so, was these adjustments uh, that you could put on like the bump stock where it would bounce against your your shoulder, the, the butt of the rifle, and then it would, you know, pap, 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 pap. It would cause you to shoot faster because the, the reverberation was coming right off of like a spring action on your shoulder. And again, even that is questionable. But the point was those were modifications that they said were illegal and made them into automatic weapons, which is what the Vegas shooter used, and that became a big deal. So I think uh, people uh, on both sides of the aisle got behind banning that stuff. But the question here becomes, we can't even define what assault weapons are. People think the AR in AR-15 stands for assault rifle, which you know it does, and it's Armalite rifle. So the question here is, what is Biden talking about, and why is he saying that we, um, we don't have a rational basis for 9mm pistols? But this is what he said, and he was talking to reporters right outside the White House after coming back from his uh, weekend, including the site of the mass shooting in uh, Uvalde, Texas. Oh, and I want to get to that. There's so much I want to talk about because uh, we were off for a few days. So, you know, I want to catch up with a lot of things. He talked about his uh, conversation with doctors and whatever and whatnot. And again, you heard that audio. So what I say is this. When there's a car accident and it's a drunk driver, we blame the drunk driver. We don't blame the alcohol. We don't blame the car. We need to do the same thing in a situation like this. Most drivers aren't drunk drivers. Most drivers aren't trying to kill people. Most drivers are lawfully using their cars. The same way most gun owners, most, the majority, probably higher than 99% because there's so many gun owners out there. So when you have a couple of these crazies out there to skew the number, it doesn't skew it that much. The majority of crime that we see happening with guns happens with illegal gun owners. They, They didn't pass a background check. They didn't apply for the gun. There's no firearms ID card. They didn't do the fingerprints that everybody else does or go to their neighbor to get the, uh, you know, the form filled out for references. These guys went to somebody on the street, paid them a few bucks, got the serial number filed off and they're ready to go. So let's, let's call a spade a spade. Let's be honest and truthful in our dialogue because clearly we can't have a debate on anything. Democrats say they're going to next week or early June, they're going to ban something. We don't even know if we agree on the definition of an assault weapon. Clearly, a handgun, a 9mm, an AR-15, a pump-action shotgun, these are all the same type of thing except for the shotgun because it doesn't reload by itself. You have to rack it. Oh, and there's some news. Hillary Clinton's lawyer, he was found not guilty. What a surprise. Durham was not able to get a conviction because there were so many people in the jury that knew the Clintons and whatnot. At least that's the current theory. I think the evidence seems sufficient in in my world of what I've seen, but they're claiming that it wasn't enough to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that there was some criminal intent there, so he got off. We'll get into that a little bit later. So the question becomes, back to Biden, can I do more damage to your lung with my shotgun, like a Remington 500, let's just say, or with uh, the the 25 or 22 caliber he was talking about? 
clearly, you don't even have a lung after we hit you with the shotgun. There's a hole in your chest. So I think Biden's got a few things to bone up on. Because in the last election, he was saying, uh, buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun. There were some funny songs about that. And if I find the audio before the end of the show, I'll play you the buy a shotgun audio. But it was it was a pretty funny thing. Anyway, not to make light of a bad situation. Over the Memorial Day weekend, I went to a, a birthday party that was like picnic style at a big park over here, County Park, not too far from my home. And I bumped into a buddy of mine who is a retired state trooper. And we're talking about, you know, the news of the day, and we get into talking about the Uvalde shooting, and he says, you know, he actually was a client of mine when I was a barber. And we talked about the barber story that I talked about in the last episode of This Is America. And he says, you know, what's interesting that I didn't even know, he says that his brother was a BORTAC leader. That's the Border Patrol's tactical unit, their elite SWAT team guys, and that he understood, and again, this is pure hearsay, this is all rumor, this is my speculation, not misinformation, I'm sharing a story with you, but his understanding was that the guy getting a haircut was a Bortak SWAT guy, and went in there and did his thing and rescued his wife and rescued his daughter and went back in again after clearing every classroom and was in fact the guy that shot the shooter, along with one of the uniformed uh Border Patrol guys that had his back as he went in there off duty. If that's the case, what an amazing story. And I've I've seen this already reported on social media. I've seen pictures of him with his hat. There's some even close-ups of his hat. He's wearing a a trucker cap, like a baseball cap, snapback. And you can see where a bullet grazed the back, the netting on the back of the hat. I mean, that's how intense this shootout was. And if that's the case, this is the stuff that, you know, movies are made of. And God bless him and, and his uh, his courage and his fortitude. The uh, trooper that I talked to, retired trooper, he tells me that this guy, his description, this guy had three balls. <laughs> A real serious set is what he said. And I thought, you know what, well, thank God for guys like that that went in there and did it. And also for the mom, that mom that was in handcuffs that eventually talked her way out of the handcuffs and then went back in and did get her kid and get out. In time, uh, God bless her, too. And again, I don't encourage people to take the law into their own hands. But when you have a situation like this where you can clearly see things are going wrong and they're going wrong really fast, I think every parent is is well within their obligation morally to do what they have to do for their children. And ultimately, this is what President Trump was talking about, right? After he did the speech at the NRA, he went on and he did a rally. And at the rally over the weekend, one of the things he said was that there's no substitute for a great mom and a great dad. And lamentably, the profile of these school shooters is people that come from homes that are broken. And it doesn't mean every person from a broken home is a school shooter. Obviously not. But it does mean that every school shooter is coming from a broken home. Or at least every school shooter is fitting this profile of being a young male, you know, teenage male. So as they build these profiles and we figure out what to look for in this unique phenomena of a school shooter, it's important that we look at the real problems that are addressing violence and crime overall. I looked at an article that said there were 40 people shot over the weekend or by by Sunday morning in Chicago. And I think everybody talks about Chicago and some people do it as a thinly veiled way of saying, look, these these African-Americans are out of control because they are really racist. Uh, Trust me, I meet people like that and they've told me as such and I send them to hell. But from a sheer law and order perspective, you have to look at that and say, there's a problem here. From a sheer humanity perspective, we've got to do something about this type of thing. And ultimately, it leads to, to my point that I made last week was that 
They say that we lead the way with school shootings. And I say we lead the way with unwed homes, with single parent homes. And this is a huge part of why society is degrading because it's the home that's disintegrating, the nuclear family. But anyway, I want you to hear what President Trump had to say. Listen to this. We have also, very importantly, got to deal with the problem of broken families because no law can cure the effects of a broken home. There is no substitute for a strong mom and a great dad. But while we work to address these deep, complicated issues and deal with this scourge, all of us must unite, Republican and Democrat, in every state and at every level of government, to finally harden our schools and protect our children. What we need now is a top-to-bottom security overhaul at schools all across our country. Now, speaking of security overhauls at schools across America, there's this uh, clip that I want you to hear in a little bit of a school and what they do. It's pretty cool. And if um, if we have time, I'm going to play it for you, where they actually like lock down the school. There's cameras everywhere. They even have smoke bombs that, that deploy and that can uh, incapacitate or, you know, seriously slow down the shooter. I just had, you know, some concerns about that. And I'll get into that when we when we talk about it. But I think Trump is right. You need strong moms. You need strong dads. And speaking of strong women, there was another shooting or a potential shooting that occurred just this weekend. And this guy was about to shoot with an AR-15. I don't know if it was legally acquired or otherwise, but I believe he was a felon. So he probably did not legally obtain this firearm. But nonetheless, this guy was about to shoot up a barbecue, a pool party with a bunch of people at it. And like the saying goes, a good guy with a gun stopped the bad guy with a gun. In this case, it was a woman, a good woman with a gun stopped the bad guy with a gun. Listen to this. Police say 37-year-old Dennis Butler showed up with an AR-15 and started shooting. Now, what police say could have been a mass casualty event was stopped by a bystander. Lauren, you are exactly right. Police say that she was legally carrying a concealed pistol. She shot Butler multiple times, stopping him from shooting dozens of people, including children. This lady was carrying a lawful firearm, okay, a law-abiding citizen who stopped the threat of probably 20 to 30 people getting killed. She engaged the threat and stopped it. She didn't run from the threat. She engaged it, preventing a mass casualty here. This is a picture from 2018 of Butler from a previous arrest. Police say Butler had an extensive criminal history. They still are not exactly sure how he got that gun. So now they don't know how he got it. Police are wondering what's going on and they're going to investigate. They're going to find out. But the moral of the story is good girl with a gun beats the bad guy with a gun, saves the day and saves 20 or 30 lives. And that's exactly why. Right. And it's so important that we realize these things, because too often we get caught up in the media hype. And that's why I always get a little bit excited. I have to admit when people in the media that are apolitical, that don't matter to to the run of the mill uh, political junkie, but they do matter to the people that are sports junkies, people on ESPN, people on other sports networks, that when they come out and they say things that just make a whole ton of sense, it's always a refreshing feeling. I want you to listen to this. This is a clip from Marcellus Wiley uh, explaining that it was man that made the gun. So why is it not man that we blame for the shooting? Check this out. Man made the machine. 
Right. And man makes the machine destroy. So what's the real problem here in terms of solution? Man. And the real issue here, (laughs) here we go. You know that success is not natural. Do you know that doing the right thing is not natural? Like when you're born, we want to say that we're pure, but if you've ever been around a one or two-year-old, they kick, they scratch, they bite. They, they, you know what you have to do? You have to properly cultivate, lead them by example, lead them through experience so that they won't become deviant. I know this from kids. I got kids. You let, if you take your, steer, your hands off the steering wheel with kids, the car's out of control. Boom. He's 100% right. If you take your hands off the wheel, you're going to crash. Anyway, don't move a muscle. More to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. We are just getting started. You're listening to This Is America. This Is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. Mr. Call Screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. All right, welcome back, America. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S at... Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media. I almost forgot what I was saying there. Excuse me. Somebody calls security. Anyway, I want to finish um, what I was started before the break about this Michael Sussman, this whole uh, Hillary Clinton thing, because this is pretty interesting stuff. What ends up happening here is they weren't able to prove it beyond the shadow of a doubt. I was reading this article in the New York Post. I'll give you a little bit of it here. Ex-Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman, not guilty in Trump-Russia trial. Uh, This is uh, the federal court in Washington. Former Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman was acquitted Tuesday of lying to the FBI when he handed over since debunked computer data that purportedly tied Donald Trump to Russia. With jurors drawn from a largely Democrat leaning pool saying special counsel Durham didn't prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. The verdict came early on the second day of deliberations in the first trial to result from Durham's probe of Trump-Russia investigations by FBI and former special counsel Robert Mueller. Now, listen, uh, I know a lot of people are going to, you know, blame the jury, blame this and blame that. But I worked for a federal prosecutor, an ex-federal prosecutor, Chris Christie, who was governor of New Jersey. 
I can tell you, these guys didn't bring a case, at least him, Giuliani, many that I've talked to. You don't bring the case unless you know you're going to win. And that's why he went for such a small misdemeanor federal offense like lying to the FBI, Section 1001 violation. Typically, people get five years probation for this. No jail time. So even if he was guilty, he wasn't going to jail. And he couldn't get him on that. Now, I'm not criticizing Durham. I'm sure he's the best of the best like they say he is. But I am saying that you shouldn't bring a case unless you know you're going to win. Bottom line, you've got to be able to win these cases unless this is part of an overall strategy of I'm going to bring a case and lose to let them get sloppy and then we're going to get them. I'm sure that's what we're going to hear, especially on the chat boards. But I just don't think that's how real law enforcement really works typically. But again, what do I know? I'm just speculating. Those are my opinions. I've never been confident in this actually doing anything other than correcting the record, right? Bringing this into the public record. A hundred years from now, everything that happened in that court is going to be on a transcript and people can look at it. And those who know, know, right? People who who can say, oh, you know what? I could read between the lines here. Just because they didn't get the conviction doesn't mean this stuff didn't happen. It was proven in court. And I understand that. And I understand that many say it's a victory in and of itself. It is if your goal is to correct the record, to put the, the facts out there for disclosure, If your goal and your sentiment is they should hang, they should hang from tribunals, they should hang in Guantanamo Bay, they should hang from all sorts of places, then you've been let down. And I'm not on their side. I just don't believe it's going to happen. And the reason I don't believe it's going to happen is because these people knew the law going into it and they they know exactly how to break these rules because they're a part of making them. It's it's kind of uh, incestuous. Right. Have you noticed how they're all kind of interrelated in one way or another? They find the information for this from Huma Abedin, who was married to Wiener. She was Clinton's person. He was a congressman. Everybody's intermingled. There's no strangers here. It's like a like a family business, if you will. You know, oh, who's the receptionist? Oh, it's my niece. Who's over here? Oh, that's my cousin. My cousin. That's my my uncle Victor's wife's second husband. You know, (laughs) whatever it is that that is how exactly Washington works and most swamps for that matter. So with that being said, I do not have any confidence that we will ever see justice like Hillary in a jumpsuit. When I asked Cash Patel that, he said he didn't know. And of course he doesn't know. He doesn't have a crystal ball. But there's no evidence leading to that. He can't even get a lawyer on a charge of lying to the FBI when he's already sworn uh, in a deposition that he did it representing her. And now he's saying that he didn't do it representing her. Oh, my bad. Oops, I made a mistake. They tried to put General Flynn in jail for the same thing. They did uh, put Manafort in jail. And they put they also put um, our good friend Roger Stone in jail. So you tell me if it isn't a two tier justice system like many of us complain about. Yes, it is. And they're in control. And the only way to change it is for you to become an attorney and get into the government, for your kids to become attorneys and get into the government. You've got to change this thing from the inside out. If you've got dirty cops, they're not going to arrest their friends. And that's just the bottom line on that. Anyway, back to the post here. It says Durham left the courthouse without commenting, but issued a prepared statement a short time later. While we're disappointed in the outcome, we respect the jury's decision and thank them for their service, he said. He also said he wanted to recognize and thank the investigators and the prosecution team for their dedicated efforts in seeking truth and justice in this case. And that's it. There you have it. Now, of course, you know, there were tons of people with... um, connections to the jury they were saying that it was very quick it was this it was that look it is what it is there are not a bunch of strong conservatives that live inside of dc and want to live there because most people don't want to live in the swamp so when you're looking in the swamp for jurors you're going to find swamp people in, in the jury pool 
I think Sussman's daughter played lacrosse, soccer, football, one of those games, with one of the juror's kids. So, I mean, this is a, a parent that he potentially knows and sees on the soccer field. That's what's happening. But again, that is a jury of your peers. So, I mean, there's so many ways to slice it. All I can tell you is I'm not convinced. I, you know, I've mentioned this before and I'll mention it again. My brother always tells me, oh, but Richie, if they don't, if they don't pay the price, there's no justice. People lose faith in the institutions. It's over. This was all for nothing. And I always tell him, what was this? We didn't do anything. They did something. They perpetuated a crime. They perpetrated a crime on the American people, on the president of the United States. And they did it in such a really, really crafty way that they leave, barely leave fingerprints. And when you can find half a fingerprint, you can barely get them on any charges. And that's reality here. I mean, we were hoping for a conviction of an attorney. Listen, I hope like you that I will eat these words one day that somebody say, oh, that Valdez, he's such a blowhard. He doesn't know what he's talking about. These people are going to jail. I really hope you're right and I'm the one that's wrong. But I think the best thing that we can hope for is an expose. The best thing we can hope for is for daylight to be the best disinfectant, for this to become part of the historical record, part of the public record, so that people know today, people know tomorrow, people know for 100 years. Last year, or maybe the year before by now, I did a story, uh, I did a segment on Mark Levin's show, filling in for him, and I did it on the podcast as well, of the story of 1876, Rutherford B. Hayes versus Samuel Tilden. If you don't know about it, read it. Uh, research it, do your thing, or just look, search for it on my website, This Is America, the um, on iHeartRadio or RichValdez.com. You can definitely find that episode and listen to it, or you can search for it on the Mark Levin Show, uh, com. Anywhere you want, just listen to it, because it's a very, very interesting story, and you may know the history already, but there was some historical analysis that we added to it, and I thought it was remarkable, because this has happened before. So if it happened, you know, 100 years ago, or 100 some odd years ago, it's safe to say it's going to happen again. But once it's in the public record, you have a better chance of stopping it. And I think the movie 2000 Mules does the same thing from what I've seen in the trailer. I have not yet seen the film. I want it to go. I want to see it in the theater for whatever reason. I just want to get that. And it's playing not too far from me. I just uh, want to get my kids. And, you know, it's kind of not always easy to line up schedules when you have kids. But I want them to see what this is like, too. But the gist of it is they use geo-targeting, uh, right? They use a, uh, what they call a, um, a geo-fence and around a certain area to see, you know, which cell phones were in this area, and they tracked them down to the people that they knew were mules based on testimony and other things. And they basically conclude that, you know, you have the same 10 mules around the same ballot boxes, and unless they're delivering their grandma or their grandpa or, you know, whomever they're legally allowed to deliver a ballot for to a ballot box, they are acting as a ballot harvester, which is a crime, nullifying things. So, yeah, this is a serious thing, and law enforcement should look into it, and hopefully there are some that are looking into it from what I hear from D'Souza. Uh, I've invited D'Souza to come on the show, but he's, I know he's very busy doing a lot of the, the very large programs, and, and kudos to him, and I think he's out there. You know, he's fighting the good fight. He's out there making sure people aren't discrediting the work he's doing, and I'm certainly not going to do that. Uh, I've got his back. I'm in his corner. I'm, I've got the president's back. I'm in his corner. So all I can say is go out there and watch the movie and uh, keep you know, keep fighting, keep your foot on the gas, keep doing what you're doing. And that's all any of us can do. But the point is, they've exposed it. The record is there. And now people know and people can decide and people can do what they want to do moving forward. What we can't do is fall asleep at the wheel and allow 
the bad guys to win and not rise up and not do what we have to do because otherwise we're doing nothing. Even if we're just simply pushing back when they push against us, that's merely just blocking their punches from hitting our face. But we have to do a little more. We can't just sit here and protect our faces from getting punched by the left figuratively. We've got to figuratively punch them back. We have to go on offense the way Greg Abbott does, the way Donald Trump does, the way Ron DeSantis does, the way Ronald Reagan did. And I think that's the way that we're going to do it. We have to get in their face on every level. Uh, And I don't mean, you know, like Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters get in their face. But I mean... Push back on legislation. Be at the school board meetings. Be at the drop boxes. Make sure that you're protecting your vote and that you're doing everything you can, that you're taking off on Election Day so that you can work the polls. Even if you don't know how to do it, somebody will teach you because we're always short. The Republicans have historically always been short on bodies on Election Day. And every last Democrat that works in any school system, they this whole school is shut down and they've got an army of volunteers. And if they need them from somewhere else, they can get them. One time I worked on a campaign for George W. Bush. We were in Derry, New Hampshire. He was re-election campaign for um, president, 2004. And in New Hampshire, what happens while we were out there canvassing with maybe 150 volunteers? Two huge Greyhound buses roll up with professional organizers from Philadelphia, SEIU workers. These guys had done multiple campaigns. They knew exactly what was going on. And they were pros. They were pros. And they they were there in full force. Why? Because somebody whistled, need help, and they come through. The GOP, the conservatives, whomever, whatever you want to call yourself, we need that same level of intensity or we're going to be left behind. Anyway, that's just my thoughts on that. More to come straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. We're only halfway through. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good, Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I want to um, get into this whole thing with um, ethnic minorities because apparently ethnic minorities are jumping ship. They're no longer supporting Joe El Baboso Biden. Now, listen, I told you a long time ago that Latinos, Hispanics are saying adios to the liberal left because they're just tired of those policies that don't work. And guess what? Everybody got a taste of it during Trump. Trump had timing on his side. He had messaging on his side because of his own prowess as being an effective marketing messenger. But it was also the fact that immigration was out of control and he had a huge fight on his hands. So he was able to rise to the challenge. And you had Hispanics themselves saying, look, you know, I'm Hispanic, but most of my relatives had to wait online. Most of my relatives had to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on immigration attorneys. And, you know, the older ones would tell you, 
when we applied to be um, resident aliens here, we had to prove that we were staying with a sponsor, with a family member that would show their own bank information and say, hey, you know, I, I had to prove that I had $10,000 available to support this person so they wouldn't become a drag on the system. And again, when you do immigration that way, it's entirely fair. It takes a long time, but it gets done. So a lot of Hispanics, especially uh, Mexican-Americans that live in Texas and California and and Nevada and uh, New Mexico and all these places that are down there along the southern border, they're saying Arizona. They're the ones, the first ones saying, you know what? My parents had to wait in line. My grandparents had to wait in line. What's this that everybody's just getting in and they're they're getting this and they're getting that? So I think a lot of people felt slighted and they felt like this was just not equitable. It was the exact opposite of equity. So over the weekend, we had the um, the Sunday shows. And, of course, they um, analyzed what's going on with this mass exodus of Hispanics from and blacks, quite frankly, from the Democrat Party because of Biden. I want you to listen to this. Poll, Democrats view the party as weak, a large number of them. There's also such sharp criticism of the president reacting too slowly. What's the signal here for Democrats? Well, the biggest one, and you talked about it with Anthony and with Congressman Jeffries there, the fact that young voters, black voters, Latino voters now also are in agreement that the president isn't necessarily doing enough to take on the economic challenges and inflation. That's the secret sauce. If you can't convince young people, black people, Latino voters in this state, like Georgia and others across the country, you're going to see Democrats lose big statewide elections. That's Margaret Hoover on CBS Face the Nation. Now, check this out. Joe Biden is failing miserably. His female black vice president is failing miserably. I'd seen this and I mentioned it. I I have the audio somewhere. I will get it to you, I promise. But basically, it's a a conversation from about a month ago of all African-Americans. There was one conservative leaning one and the rest three of them were all Democrats. One of them was even like a state legislator. And they were getting into this conversation of how Kamala isn't doing enough to help the black community, that she was put there, but she's either being marginalized or she's asleep at the wheel. And some of them were more forgiving than others. But the point was the black community feels abandoned. They don't feel like they're sitting in the front seat of this White House. Yet Trump didn't run on a pro-Hispanic agenda. Trump ran on a build the wall agenda and had the White House open to so many Hispanics. And even I went to the White House during the Trump administration because he was so inviting to African-Americans and Hispanics and his policies helped us to all make more money. And I can only use myself as a personal example. I earned more in those four years of the Trump administration than I did in the last four of the Obama administration, probably even in the, the first four of the Obama administration, but I haven't looked back that far. I can tell you that it was better with Trump. My, my buddy just bought a half million dollar house in Bergen County, New Jersey, because during the Trump years, uh, several, uh, well, probably about a year and a half ago, maybe even closer to two years, but during that first half of the Trump administration. And guess what? He started making more money at work. He got two raises back to back. They were busier than ever. And he does deal with surgeries. So there were more surgeries that were available to be done. And It was just a good time for him and for his family. His wife also flourished in her career. Another buddy of mine, blue-collar guy, and I've mentioned this if you listen to my show on the radio, guy works in fire protection. So he's on the road in a truck, and he's making sure that everybody's fire protection systems, fire extinguishers and whatnot are all up to code, up to date. He does the servicing on them, all that stuff. And he couldn't stop telling me, man, during Trump, I had so much business, so much business. 
because everybody was doing all the stuff they had to do. They were busy. They were adding new locations. And he was busy all weekend long, all week long, overtime, you name it. But now he says it's back to the way it was before. Less and less clients, less and less want to pay on time. People are dragging their feet because clearly inflation isn't working. So now you've got Powell and Biden facing off with Powell saying it's not transitory. And Biden saying, you lied to me because we're going to we're looking at a minimum if they raised interest rates and did everything they could. A minimum of two years now before anybody sees a win from what's going on. That's a long time. A lot of people are going to lose out. This is going to hurt a lot of people, a lot of families, and Democrats are the ones to blame. They could have just followed Trump's lead, and they chose not to. So it's not just blacks. It's not just Hispanics. It's not just uh, the, the minority voter. No, you watch and see how every last voter, at least every last demographic group, is going to start jumping ship from Biden's bandwagon. Even if the Democrats hold on to these voting bases, which I'm sure they will, they're going to lose significant numbers because people don't like bad times. People didn't like Obama's recession, and they're not going to like Biden's recession. More to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I want to thank you guys for um, your patience and for your support. It means a ton. Whenever I see the show move up in the charts, I know it's because you guys are sharing it with your friends and your your texting people or whatever it is. I know people are listening to the show because I could see the downloads going up and I see us moving up in the charts and I'm thankful for that. And because the show is quite frankly pretty popular in our category, uh, we've gotten uh, some new partnerships through iHeartRadio, through the My Cultura podcast network with uh, some other podcast hosts wanting to advertise their podcasts on this program. So uh, I thank you guys for that. We've got Rosalind Sanchez and my guy DJ Dramos from The Breakfast Club. Good morning. You know, that's the show where Joe Biden famously said, if you don't know if you're for Trump or for me, then then you ain't black. <laughs> that, that show with Charlemagne the God, that's the Breakfast Club. Uh, and he's the DJ on that show. So I'm happy to hear that. Who else did I hear on there? Um, Freddie Prince Jr. He's got a podcast. He's on there. And of course, a bunch of great brands, Coca-Cola, um, State Farm, and anyway, others. And I'm grateful for, for their sponsorship and grateful for you guys listening and your listenership. I always appreciate that. And, of course, the attack on our children never ends. There's always an assault for the little people, for the minds. Last week I played some audio. I played it on the radio. I was filling in for Jim Bohannon, by the way, and I want to just quick plug on that. Jim Bohannon, excellent radio host who uh, took over the Larry King Show from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. on hundreds of radio stations across America, and he's been doing that for decades and I had the opportunity to f fill in for him last Friday. I'm doing it again this Friday and this Thursday. So if you want to check that out, we're in probably, I think, every of the top 10 markets. And in New York, if you're a New Yorker like me, uh, 103.9 FM, New Talk for New York. That's the station that Dan Bongino and Ben Shapiro are on. Um, it's on that station from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. And uh, Open Phones Across America is probably my favorite segment of that, uh, favorite hour of that show, I should say, because... It's uh, open phones, and you get people from all over the country calling in, sounding off on just everything, not just what we're talking about because the format there is a little bit different. Anyway, if you can tune into that, I want you to tune in. But I played this clip of audio 
of Randy Weingarten, the president of the AFT, and she was saying, you got to let teachers be who they are. You got to let us be mind workers. And it's this philosophy, and it's pretty old. It's a very old philosophy that teachers have adopted where they believe that it's their job to shape your children, not just to teach them, but to shape them into who they're going to be and how they're going to think and do what they have to do. That was a little quick. Let's hold that audio until I call for it. And there's a clip of audio that we're about to play, and you just got a preview, an accidental preview. Uh, but it was in 1992 in Teachers Conference in Pennsylvania. And they they just are straightforward in exactly what they want to do. And that's why I always say, look, the left doesn't hide. They don't lie. They always tell you what they're doing. Listen to this. The plan is to move education away from what we have right now, which is traditional education. That's You have so many Carnegie units, you had four classes of math and four classes of English and so many classes of history to graduate, to what is called outcome-based education. What is the difference between what we had before and what the new regulations are? Before with the EQA, the state had control down to the district level and could control curriculum planning, which was aimed at targeted subgroups of children. But we had children who did not conform. Outcome-based education does not say the school will teach. It says the student must demonstrate. And through the computer, the control goes down to the individual child. Your child will conform. Or they will not move forward. They will meet the goal. So where is it coming from? Where is the driving force? What we found is it's not being driven by education. All right, so that's Peg Luxick, and that's L-U-G-S-I-K, Peg Luxick. And it's clear. They believe in going to this granular level of getting to your child, and we're seeing the rewards of that, right? It's 1992, so right? That's a long time ago. Four decades later, and guess what? Now we have boys that are wearing skirts with their... Nails painted black, goth. And again, it's not necessarily about that. I'm sure there's parents listening to this right now saying, well, you know, my kid plays in a rock band and he paints his nails black. Is your kid shooting up schools? Is your kid doing it for the sake of the gothiness or the whatever? Or is it because, listen, my point is the kid looked like a weirdo and he acted even weirder. And now 19 kids are dead. We have to check it. That's all I'm saying. If you don't disagree with me, I mean, if you disagree with me, too bad. What can I say? That's just my belief here. I think that... uh, we have to really nip this in the bud. Things are out of control. Am, am I wrong? If I'm wrong, let me know. Get at me at Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media at Rich Valdez with an S or shoot me an email info at therichvaldez.com. That's T H E, Rich Valdez with an S.com. And I look forward to reading your comments online because I know a lot of people are upset about this stuff. Just like a lot of people are upset that Biden is trying to take away nine millimeters. Uh, oh, you know, and again, not trying. He obviously can't do that. But that he even mentions it as a goal. And the reason you mention it as a goal, because you want to establish a precedent to say, you know what, we're at a time right now where things are out of control, so we might need to put a pause on these things, right? Because that's what the good old um, prime minister did in uh, Canada. And I'm looking for that. Can we get that queued up? Because this one, I think, is, is the goal for every Marxist in America. Listen to this. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns 
anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. All right. So people didn't even know what to clap because they're like, is that a good thing that you're taking away our handgun rights? <laughs> Canadians don't have guns to begin with. Bottom line here, this is their goal. And he's relishing in that. If you could see the video, he's just so happy. He'll go lucky. He's peppy because he's a genuine Marxist, lives in a socialist country of Canada, and he's able to play these games. Whenever he has a chance to exercise control, he does. Biden does the same thing, but he does it in the court of public opinion. He knows he can't do it legally, but he wants to sell people on the idea. He wants more and more Americans who are inflamed and hurt and, and have their emotions in a raw state right now to say, you know what? Maybe Biden's right. Maybe we don't need these nine millimeters that tear apart lungs. Maybe it's okay for the public school system to uh, totally engineer the outcome of our students, not just to, to equip them with the training so they can determine their own outcomes. We have to know what we stand for, because if we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So the time to do something is now. And those are quotes from Hamilton, from Sir Edmund Burke. America's needing you right now more than she's ever needed you before. Anyway, that's all I got for today. Hasta la próxima. Until the next one, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 